recording and good to go. Okay. So, um, I think all you guys know me, but if not, I'm Kirsty, um, and I've been here at Porter Mountain now for a little over a year. Um, and so this, uh, last several months we've been working our way, uh, through a study on the fruits of the spirit. And as a reminder for all of us or anyone who where this might be their first week, um, the main passage on the fruits of the Spirit is Galatians five nineteen through 24, um, starting just a little bit before the fruits of the Spirit going into the, uh, the works of the flesh. Um, oh. All right. Back up and going again. Um, so Galatians, yeah, 5, 19 through 24. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruits of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So today uh, we'll be examining the last uh, fruit of the Spirit listed, which is self-control. Um, so for a couple of group questions to kind of start us out, um, I won't have you guys break into groups, but you guys can just feel free to answer. What is self-control? Elusive. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, yes, very much at times. <laughs> Get your good. back anybody else have any other ideas living in the spirit instead of the flesh mm -hmm. yeah so a couple of notes that i had written was um restraint uh not acting on selfish and sinful desire and impulse um putting our sin to death um not taking things into our own hands but trusting in the lord so kind of what you guys were saying um why should we be self-controlled other than just this verse says we should be? But God wants us to do the right thing and be kind. Mm -hmm. Even though somebody messes up towards us, he still wants us to be kind towards them. Mm -hmm. I feel like self-controlled. Oh, Thank <laughs> you. 
I think that's one we all can relate to. We've all been there. A couple of the notes I wrote was, it's part of godly character. Um, God himself is perfectly self-controlled. And then I, not that answers why should we be, but uh, when we become born again, the Holy Spirit dwells in us and he helps us as we fight our flesh and walk with Christ. So um, just the reminder too that we don't have to do this on our own. So when uh, finding a passage to study deeper today, um, there's, I mean, there's a lot of examples in the Bible of both people being self-controlled and very not self-controlled. And, uh, but it was actually my husband, Stephen, who had, um, had suggested the passage in 1 Samuel that we're going to look at today. And I was like, that's actually a really good example. So if you have your Bibles, either physical or digital, if you could turn to 1 Samuel 24, um, And I think when Kim sent it out, she sent you a few verses from the passage. And then the more I spent time with it, the more I'm like, I'm going to read the entire chapter. Um, So it's actually not a super long chapter, but hold with me as I dramatically read. (laughs) Um, uh, First Samuel 26. 26. Oh, or 20. Oh, yes. you're right, 24. Uh, oh, but here's the problem then is I had the wrong page pulled up and there's no internet on this, so let me pull it up on my phone. I was like, wait, this is David Spare Saul again. That is not the passage. First Samuel 24. Um, I knew I should have brought my physical Bible, but I was like, oh, I have it all on my laptop, so... <laughs> How dare I teach from computer. Um, well, I've, I've got it up on my phone, so that'll be fine. Um, okay, so 1 Samuel 24. Uh, oh, and I have context before we get into it. Um, so, uh, let's see, I wrote a paragraph. There we go. Um, so Saul is the first king of Israel, And uh, basically Israel demanded, we don't want just God to be in control of anything more. We want a king like the other nations have. And they chose Saul. And he looked the part of the king. um, But uh, and while God made him king, um, he was never really God's choice to be a king because God wanted a king who was after his own heart um, and not a self-serving one. And So God chose David, who was a shepherd from a small town in Bethlehem and who was the youngest of his father's sons. So someone people would not have expected to be king. Um, After David fought and (laughs) defeated Goliath, um, King Saul brought David into his courts. Um, He began to care for David like a son. Um, David would play uh, music to help him soothe his spirit. Um, But their relationship was definitely tumultuous. Um, Saul knew that God was unhappy with him as king um, and the decisions he was making, and he would one day make David king and not Saul's son, Jonathan. Um, And it got to the point where Saul had tried to kill David several times, but at this point, um, Saul is really like, I'm going to hunt David down and kill him. So David flees into the wilderness, um, and it's predicted that this was several years that David... Um, was hiding from Saul. 
Um, and when we get to this chapter here, that'll just read in 24, um, Saul happens to come across where David is. So starting with verse one, when Saul returned from following the Philistines, he was told, behold, David is in the wilderness of Engedi. When Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of all Israel and went to seek David and his men in front of the wild goats' rocks. When he came to the sheepfolds by the way, where there was a cave, and Saul went in to relieve himself, use the bathroom. Um, now, David and <laughs> now David and his men were sitting in the innermost parts of the cave. And when the men of David said to him, here is the day of which the Lord has said to you, Behold, I will give you your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him as it shall seem good to you. Then David arose and stealthily cut off a corner of Saul's robe. And afterward, David's heart struck him because he cut off a corner of Saul's robe. He said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to put out my hand against him, seeing he is the Lord's anointed. So David persuaded his men with these words and did not permit them to attack Saul. And Saul rose up and left the cave and went on his way. Afterward, David also arose and went out of the cave and called after Saul, My lord, the king. And when Saul looked behind him, David bowed with his face to the earth and paid homage. And David said to Saul, Why do you listen to the words of the men who say, Behold, David seeks your harm? Behold, this day your eyes have seen how the Lord gave you today into my hand in the cave. And some told me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not put my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. See, my father, see the corner of your robe in my hand. For by the fact that I cut off the corner of your robe and did not kill you, you may know and see that there is no wrong or treason in my hands. I have not sinned against you, though you hunt my life to take it. May the Lord judge between me and you. May the Lord avenge me against you, but my hand shall not be against you. As the proverb of the ancient says, out of the wicked comes wickedness, but my hand shall not be against you. After whom was the king of Israel come out? After whom do you pursue? After a dead dog, after a flea. May the Lord therefore be judge and give sentence between me and you and see to it and plead my cause and deliver me from your hand. As soon as David had finished speaking these words to Saul, Saul said, is this your voice, my son, David? And Saul lifted up his voice and wept. He said to David, you are more righteous than I, for you have repaid me good, whereas I have repaid you evil. And you have declared this day how you have dealt with me, and in that you did not kill me when the Lord put me into your hands. For if a man finds his enemy, will he let him go away safe? So may the Lord reward you with good for what you have done to me this day. And now, behold, I know that you shall surely be king, and that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in your hand. Swear to me, therefore, by the Lord, that you will not cut off my offspring after me, and that you will not destroy my name out of my father's house. And David swore this to Saul. Then Saul went home again, but David and his men went up to the stronghold. So um, this passage is really interesting character study between both David and Saul. Um, as we look back on our passage from Galatians on the fruits of the spirit and fruits of the flesh, um, it says the fruits of the flesh are um, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, enviness, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Um, 
And so with Saul, um, so Saul is after David's life. And um, earlier in this time of knowing David, if we had read chapters previous, um, he exhibits strife, enmity, jealousy, fits of anger, envy, and some of these other um, ones he shows in other chapters. Um, And... uh, Lost my spot again. Okay. Um, And he's exhibited a great lack of self-control, making him unfit to be king. Um, And while David is also sinful and definitely does do some of these uh, things in other parts of scripture, um, here he shows remarkable wisdom and self-control, which was granted to him by God. All of David's problems would seemingly disappear if he were to kill Saul here. He would no longer be fleeing for his life. Um, Most of the people of Israel probably wouldn't care if Saul was gone and was replaced. Um, They're like, yeah, I'm still a peasant. Who cares who's king? Um, David's men are encouraging him like this is a great opportunity to do it. Um, It could be seen as self-defense. And possibly the biggest point is that God already said that he was going to remove Saul and replace him with David as king. Um, David has already had to wait years. Um, since he was told that he's going to be king um, and he still isn't king yet. Um, And it seems like the perfect moment to take action and justice into his own hands. And yet David does it. Um, And so a quote that I found after I kind of had done my outline um, from Pastor Alistair Begg, uh, he put it in this way that I really liked. Um, And it says, This passage gives us an indication of how David refuses to succumb to the temptation to grab something which is only God's to give. He did not seize by force what is his by promise. He then, like another shepherd king whom we meet in the New Testament, commits his cause to him who who judges justly. Um, So David doesn't give in to fear, anger, covetousness. Um, He doesn't take control in a matter that doesn't belong to him, and he shows self-control. Um, And the reason, David says, is he does not want to raise his hand against the Lord's anointed. And so what does that mean? Um, So while Saul was the people's of Israel's choice for king, um, God still made him king. God still had him ruling as king. Um, And David saw saw taking Saul's life into his own hands, not just a slight against Saul, but against God himself. Um, David didn't take the route that was easy and quick. He trusted in God's timing and plan. Um, He trusted in God's process, he didn't doubt God's promises, and he showed self-control. On a little bit of a side tangent, um, so uh, this terminology that David uses a lot in this chapter of, um, I will not touch the Lord's anointed, um, I've heard some people, and especially in like prosperity gospel circles, where they'll use this terminology of, touch not the Lord's anointed, um, to say like, oh, you can never say, Um, that what these prosperity gospel preachers are teaching is unbiblical or curses will come against you because they're the Lord's anointed. And when we look at the passage, we can see that this is not the context of what's happening here. Um, It's not a case of, um, because there's plenty of times also that like Saul is is being told out either by Samuel or other people of like, hey, you are not following God's commands. It is not a you cannot critique a pastor if he is saying something unbiblical. Um, so that was just more, if you ever hear someone say that, that is a, a big red flag. Um, but back to the topic. Um, <laughs> sorry, it was like a side tangent that I was like, I've heard so many people say this that I'm like, no, please, no. Um, but back to David. Um, 
because of David's self-control, God was glorified. Um, Saul and David did not meet in that cave by accident. Um, I can only imagine that it was kind of crazy if David's like, okay, I'm hiding in this cave. And then it's like the person who's hunting you comes in and starts peeing. And you're just like, okay, this is crazy. Um, and he has no idea that you're in there. Um, and, uh, yep. Yep. (laughs) Um, so did David ever show him that he yeah so basically yeah he shows Saul and said hey I took the corner of this and because you can see that I didn't um take uh that I basically could take the corner off your robe but I didn't kill you you can see that I am not after your life I'm not after your throne um so yes he does show Saul that um and so that actually leads to having a moment of humbleness from Saul which is unfortunately short-lived Um, But he recognizes that God allowed David to be so close to him and in a vulnerable vulnerable position um, that he could have died. And yet David did the right thing while Saul would not have been willing to do the right thing. Um, He would have killed the person who God said would be the next king. Um, Saul recognizes that this is not by David's great might, but because God is with David. And he realizes that God's word will come to pass. Um, If instead David did kill Saul here, what might have happened? Um, Would he be guilty of murdering Saul in anger or out of jealousy? Um, Would some people question the legitimacy of his role as king? Um, Would Saul have realized that God is truly in control? Um, Would we have this, excuse me, burp. um, Would we have this example of godly character that points us to the one who created us if David had not stayed his hand? Um, And so, the kind of big point of this is um, self-control brings glory to God and a lack of self-control brings destruction. Um, Even in David's own life, um, we can see some times where he didn't show self-control. The biggest being, particularly with his lust for women and with Bathsheba. Um, So with that one, his lack of self-control led to an adulterous relationship Um, David murdering Bathsheba's husband to hide the fact that he slept with uh, Uriah's wife and then the death of the son who was conceived in this relationship. Um, Sin brings about awful results. Um, And then to not veer into like legalism, how and why should we pursue self-control? And I wrote, um, we should not pursue it for its own sake or for merit. We should seek it to glorify God, and we should seek it to love him. Um, and we do it not by our own might, but by the Holy Spirit who indwells those who repent and believe. Um, so I had kind of a bit of a shorter study, um, but I guess I have a couple questions, but I'm like, I don't know if it's ones that are like proper discussion questions or more things to reflect on. Um, but how do we crucify the flesh in its passions in regards to self-control? And in what ways can we trust God with our battles? Um, if there's anyone who wants to answer that, that'd be super awesome. I just also understand if you're like, I don't want to. What's the first one? Um, how do we crucify the flesh and its passions in regards to self-control? I think we have to pray for God's Mm-hmm. That's basically where I was going to go with it. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anybody else have? Chris, you know the other thing that I was thinking about 
in that passage <clears throat> is not just that it was Saul and David there, but when you're thinking about that transfer from Saul to David as the leader, there was 3,000 of these chosen men that were with Saul mm -hmm. and 600 men in the cave with David. Mm -hmm. And so it was these other people that are from Israel and they saw that interaction. Mm -hmm. And had, it, had David gone the other way, he probably still would have been made king, but would, if he, would he have brought the people with him? But they saw his righteous actions. Yeah. And so sometimes I think that when we have self-control, it's not just say between you and me that there's self-control, but the people that are watching. Mm -hmm. And that that's a bigger reason sometimes to have that self-control because you know, you're not under a bushel, you're out there with your light shining, mm -hmm. and when you go off, like I do time to time, all, you know, being defensive, it doesn't speak well for my Lord. Mm -hmm. But what David did, um, he said, you know, that there, there's no justification for sinning in order to have a promise. Mm -hmm. The promise is going to come. And I don't need to sin to do it. Yeah. Yeah. What you just mentioned was excellent. And yes, I'm like, I, I should have brought that up. And I did not even think about that. But yeah, the fact that it's like people from both sides, the David's camp and the Saul's camp. Yeah. Witnessed what happened. Witnessed the fact of, yeah, David not being willing to sin, not to drop down to what Saul was willing to do and take the higher road. And I think that also probably led to when when Saul eventually died, people being more also on board with David being king, of realizing, like, this is someone good to lead our country. Um, right, because in, in, in saying that, it's in verse 4, um, now is your opportunity, David's men whispered to him, mm -hmm. today the Lord is telling you, I will certainly put your enemy into your power to do as you Mm -hmm. And David wasn't doing what he, you know, wanted to do. Like, like she said over there, we have to. Um, <laughs> it's what you feel, you know. I'm going to do this because this is this is how I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. It's not a matter of how we feel. Mm -hmm. It's doing the right thing and and like you guys were saying, seeking God's counsel on it. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes Absolutely. I don't know if you guys have been in those circles where they said, you know, the Lord has a word for you and He's given it to me to you. Well, and I'm always like, well, wouldn't the Lord give me that word first? And yeah. maybe what you're saying is kind of a confirmation to what God's already said to me. Mm -hmm. So here's these men saying, here it is, David. God is saying, do it. You know, but if David didn't have that word from God, you know, it's it's not, it's not, you know, he would have mm -hmm. from God. He yeah. would have had to have heard God say that to yeah. him. Yeah, it had that confirmation of God saying, like, this is the time yeah, that I want it. you to, yeah. But he didn't. Mm -hmm. And I think that sometimes, you know, we need to, like Jamie was saying, seeking that. If we're seeking that, we're going to walk in the, in the spirit more and the flesh less. Mm -hmm. And then in verse 7, so David restrained his men and did not let them kill Saul. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah, it would have been easy for, yeah, David's men while in the cave to kill Saul... Um, and then it also would have been easy for Saul's men because when David comes out to talk to him, like, he's got 3,000 men. They also could have easily killed David. Um, so, 
<coughs> Anybody else have observations I that I left out? Kind of, um, kind of cool how David felt bad for even cutting off the only reason he's Yeah, even going that far was like, is this crossing a line in which I shouldn't? And it's funny because I'm like, in my brain, I'm like, oh, no, it makes sense because then you can prove that you're like, hey, I could have killed you. But even that was like, he's like, I should not have done this. Right. And then it's saying, I will never harm the king. He is God's anointed one. Mm -hmm. You know, so he knew that that's what God wanted for that time. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, and I read a commentary that came from David Gusky, and he's like someone that we've read on our daily devotions online uh, with version. Mm-hmm. And he said, we often wish our victories against our enemies would be permanent. The enemy will continue to return. So Saul was off fighting the Phil- Philistines, and someone says, hey, David's over here in En Gedi. Okay, let's go over there. So his enemy, and sometimes that will happen to us, we think, okay, we've got a little bit of a reprieve here from the enemy, and then all of a sudden the enemy shows up again. Mm-hmm. You know, and sometimes that's going to be that where the enemy will continue to attack, and we need to continue to stand, mm-hmm. because that's what our God has called us to do. Mm-hmm. Not to fight back in the flesh, because you'll never win a battle like that, mm-hmm. but to stand. Yeah, especially because, like, yeah, Saul was thinking, because it's like God promised that David would be king, that he's like, oh, well, then, therefore, David is a threat to me. And the fact that it's like, yeah, he should be fighting with the Philistines. And instead, it's like he is so set on pursuing and taking down David that it has led him away from the thing that he is supposed to be doing as king. Um, the average Israelite is not going to care about this feud between him and David, but they are going to care about the Philistines attacking them and taking over. Well, um, what's funny is Jonathan, who would have been the heir, mm-hmm. He, I had, you know how it puts like little footnotes in your yeah. Bible, you can go back and read this. And he had actually taken off his cloak at one time and given it to David. Mm-hmm. You know, which apparently that is symbolic of power, you mm-hmm. know. And so Jonathan, who the would-be heir, he wasn't as bent out of shape over it as Saul was. Yep. Yeah, no, Jonathan, because Jonathan and David were also really close friends, um, Jonathan was totally... Um, understood that what God had done and was okay with the fact that David would be king and not him. Um, it was, yeah, it was Saul that was not okay with it. Um, One of the things that came out to me in my devotions this morning was, it kind of goes along with what you said, Susie, is, I don't know if anybody else does this, but, you know, I was praying for different people and what their... Um, requests were or whatever and then whether I know what the actual issue is or not I often include his strength asking the Lord for his strength for that person mm-hmm. um, or those people and then I went because knowing this was on self control then it was like well are you going to pray for yourself for that mm-hmm. you know and it was really quite an aha moment mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm the only one. It, it's very easy to pray for other people and what's going on with them. But the fact of, like you said, it's it's not a one and done. Mm-hmm. It's going to keep coming back. Mm-hmm. And so 
we really do need to pray for ourselves mm-hmm. um, to identify it when it's happening or at least listen to the Holy Spirit saying mm-hmm. uh, now's the time you know and, and that you need to exhibit self-control and give God's glory but anyway it was just kind of interesting that it was uh, in the middle of the thing it was like mm-hmm. oh no, that's. I'm not very strong It's super good. I think it's easier to. Sorry, I think I cut you off at the end. That was okay. I was gonna say. Um, I think it's definitely easier to be like, oh, you know, Jane. Jane really needs some self control and to pray. But it's like, yeah, for myself, I'm like, how often do I stop and pray and realize and examine that I'm like, I need self control. Um, so I think that is an excellent point of. Yeah. When we study this, not just to be like, oh, I guess all those other people that could use it. It's like, I need this. I really need this. Yeah. Yeah, because then it causes you're like, oh, then God's going to bring something along my way where I have to be patient. <laughs> Yeah, I think in a lot of times, patience and self-control often go alongside each other. There's, there's a lot of overlap. Well, and it says in verse 19, who else would let his enemy get away when he has, his, you know, when he has the power? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, you know, we're going along and things are good. We feel like we're in control and all of a sudden God's like, yeah, let's see how you do this one down. Mm-hmm. Y'all have been bringing up awesome stuff. So, anybody else have things they'd like to share? I'm just giving an opportunity, not a pressure of you have to talk. <laughs> um, if not, then should uh, I could stop the recording and we could share prayer requests? Because um, I just pressed the stop button. I said, yeah.